0: Wanna well, talk? Can anyone know, tell me what it is? Why does Izzy wear a kippah? That's correct. And actually, the funny thing is, Linda had sent me a link to a video this week of a Kerite Jew named Chemia Gordon. And of course, Kerite Jews are like—they're like the Jewish version of Protestants, almost in Christianity. Sola scriptura. We're just gonna cast aside all the traditions of men and just go by the book. So. Um, uh, Karait Jews will typically not do a lot of the things done in Orthodox Judaism or uh, Rabbinic Judaism. They don't wash their hands before they eat. Or maybe some of them do. If they know it's healthy for them, they do. But they don't say the blessing. Uh, uh, they don't wear kippahs. Uh, they don't pray a lot of the traditional Jewish prayers. It's more typical for a Kerite Jew to just come to synagogue on, on Shabbat and just get down on his face and pray the Psalms. Uh, that type of thing. So anyway, she had sent me a link to Nehemia Gordon talking, and I guess later in his talk he, he talked about wearing a kippah and how it's not a biblical commandment, and I actually didn't get that far in the video. <laughs> but strangely enough, I'm talking about that today. Uh, I, I think we're all, we all know that there's a difference between traditions and scriptural commandments. And for many of us coming from a church background, we have never really been taught to take the commandments of God and the Torah as authoritative or as having any bearing on our lives as believers. And, and, and thank God, he's, he's restoring to us an understanding of the role that his Torah can play in our lives. He's, he's helping us understand how doing God's commandments is part of discipleship. And he's helping us not just understand the what of it, how you, what you do with these things, but but why? What's the, what are the deeper principles here? Uh, what is the ancient wisdom behind some of these mitzvot that at first glance seem a little, I don't know, maybe funny to the, quote, modern mind, or a little socially irrelevant or whatever? So that's a great thing. Now, in the process of returning to the written word and the authority of God's Torah... We also encounter the Jewish tradition, the way that these commandments have been handled traditionally. And in the process, we also discover in Judaism a lot of extra stuff that isn't actually recorded in, in the scriptures. One of those is wearing a kippah. And usually, Colin, could I, could I demonstrate something with you? Do you want to come up here for a second? Okay, well, sometimes... <laughs> you can trust me, Colin. Okay. Well, sometimes I like to I like to jokingly ask people why they should wear a kippa, and they say why, and I say to keep up from getting a noogie. Because if someone is wearing a holy kippa, then of course you wouldn't dare to give them a noogie because you might knock off their holy kippa. So a kippa is to keep up from getting a noogie. So. Is that why the Catholic friars used to shave? They were they were
1: having a permanent kippa maybe
0: yeah then you can never get a noogie if you have all your hair shaved off yeah well I, I think it's a compliment to judaism that a lot of the the catholic clerics wear keep us they're just copying their their their, their jewish brethren no. oh really in your school was it a jewish school that you went to oh a catholic school okay fascinating so, I'll give you just a little historical overview here, just for fun. But I'll say first off that no, wearing a kippah is not a mitzvah in the Torah. It's a, it's a, it's a Jewish tradition. And that's why you'll never hear me suggesting or encouraging people to wear them. Uh, there, there, there's the, I think the first time we encounter the concept of somebody covering their heads is actually in the book of Leviticus. It talks about how Aaron and his sons are to wear a turban when they enter into the holy place to minister. So if we were to follow that practice, you know, maybe under the reasoning that, well, we're not part of the Aaronic priesthood, but we are part of the Melchizedekian priesthood. So all the men should wear turbans. So, but we're, we're not, we're not going to go with that. It would be kind of fun, maybe, if we all wore turbans. But I don't think it would be very seeker-sensitive. I think we'd scare a lot of people. So we're not banning turbans, right, if you want to play with that sometimes. So anyway, um, so it does, it does say that uh, you know, So the, you know, the priesthood, they would cover their heads when they went into the holy presence of God to minister to him. And uh, as time elapsed, the temple was destroyed and the Jewish people were exiled. And in the second temple era, directly before that, though, uh, it, it was tradition, Jewish tradition amongst the very pious to wear a hat when they went outside. Uh, there's, there's one sage that, that was said of him that he never left his, left his home and went for people paces without without uh, wearing a, a hat or something on his head. So, you know, even in the Second Templar in Yeshua's time, there was, there was this tradition of wearing a hat or something on your head when you go outside just to, somehow to symbolize reverence for God and acknowledging that you have a superior, somebody above you. Uh, again, that's not based on a commandment, is it? That was simply a tradition and it wasn't a widespread tradition. Uh, sometime along the way, Jewish people got in the habit of wearing kippot, which is the plural of kippah, um, some people would say it, it actually became popular as late as the 16 or 1700s. Um, there's a variety of reasons cited for why Jewish people wear kippahs. Um, some of them would say, well, it's kind of like just a reminder that he's above you and that you are subject to a higher authority. Uh, the Yiddish term for a kippah would kind of communicate that concept. Uh, it's called a, does anyone know what it's called in, in Yiddish? A yarmulke, that's correct. That's like the, the fear of the king or awe of the king is what it literally means. So, I mean, there's that concept. I've also heard the idea that Jewish people began wearing kippahs just to be uh, in disagreement with and in contradistinction to Paul. Because Paul wrote in Corinthians that it's a shame for a man to wear something on his head when he prays. Now, of course, there's the whole question of what is Paul talking about. The way I see it, though, Paul never contradicted the Torah. His, his writings were always in harmony with the previous revelation of Scripture. So, if it says that the priests were to wear something on their heads when they were ministering in the holy place, then I assume that that wasn't a disgrace to the priests. Therefore, that can't be what Paul was talking about. So, we'll just leave that question at that. Um, When I first connected with the Hebraic roots of our faith and my Jewish heritage about nine years ago, I wore a kippah all the time. I had a nice black-looking Orthodox kippah and I would, I would wear it all the time. And, you know, for me, it was like, I really kind of embraced that traditional Jewish ideology regarding the kippah. Well, it's a sign of, it's a, my awe of the king, of a, that I am subject to a higher power. And kippah sound, kind of sounds like kapara, which is the Hebrew word for atonement. So it's a, re, a reminder that Yeshua is my atonement, that he's my covering. It's a picture of that. And that's cool. But, uh, Uh, you know, for my first couple years I I lived a relatively more of a kind of strict life in terms of following Jewish orthodoxy and application of the Torah even like with regards to the traditional prayers I would like pray the traditional the full traditional shacharit and and mincha and mariv services like morning, afternoon and and at night and it it takes if you've ever tried to pray the full traditional Jewish prayer services every day it takes you a good hour to two hours per day depending how fast you can pray (laughs) So, you know, they reached a point in my, in my personal journey, though, where I felt like, you know what, I, I feel like I'm on, I'm on overkill right now. I'm doing too much too fast, and somehow I've lost touch with the basics. I've, I've lost the connection with the Holy Spirit, and I feel like I'm losing my, my orientation with Messiah being my center. So after a couple of years of being more into the orthodox expression, I just put the brakes on the whole thing, took off my kippah, um, stopped all the traditional prayers, and I just tried to look at the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, and only go by the written text. Maybe that's somewhat similar to the Karite approach, but I don't want to identify myself too closely with the Karite approach. But that kind of approach, you know, just saying, okay, okay, even like, how do we do, how we do Erev Shabbat? We do a lot of the traditional prayers and things, but. If we just want to do this in a very simple manner, the way Yeshua did it, if we want to do it just according to the written word, what does that look like? So in in our family, we kind of just took the whole thing and we analyzed the whole thing and cut it apart and we only retained those things that were in the written word. So we said, okay, you know, um, the, the challah, the bread. There's a, there's examples of that. Melchizedek uh, brought out bread, and they had it as a sign of fellowship. Uh, the uh, the the cup of uh, the 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 cup of the fruit of, fruit of the vine. Um, there's you know there's a picture of this, and, uh, and reading the scriptures about about Shabbat. So we kind of went through that process. And after quite a few years, more sticking just with the book, I, I feel like I'm able to more look at Jewish tradition and and and, and adopt those things that that I feel an attraction to that are meaningful to me and uh, as the spirit leads so that's kind of that's my that's my current approach with regards to the traditional Jewish approach I value it but I don't look at it as the only way to interpret the Torah or the only way to apply it I I think there's room there to look at the Torah and develop our own traditions be creative as the spirit leads and uh, hopefully develop a Torah culture that is totally messiah based and messiah centered so as for why I started wearing a kippa again I'm kind of just using this as a, as a, like a covering to tell you my, my faith story, by the way. I don't know if you noticed. It's kind of fun. The kippah is like a little, a little uh, cap for my whole faith story. Um, I just felt like wearing a kippah. It was like a year or two ago. And I just realized, you know what? I want to start wearing a kippah again. I mean, like, you know, I'm halakhically Jewish in terms of what, the way like rabbinic Judaism would say on my mom's side. And, uh, you know, that's part of my heritage. And I feel like that's something that I should treasure. That's something that, in Messiah, I should cherish. And I don't want to be a closet Jew. You know, there were, there were tons of closet Jews in Europe prior to World War II. Their, their aspirations were to assimilate into European culture, or at the very least to be Jews, but to be a Jew secretly. I'm not interested in being a closet Jew. I want to be more of a, an in-your-face Jew, in a good sense of the word, you know. So... Uh, and you know I actually wrestled with it for several weeks I thought man I, I really want to wear a keep but what are people going to think of me what if it communicates the wrong impression what if they think that I'm going too far into orthodoxy or I'm taking on rabbinic tradition or whatever but I reached the point where I just thought you know what if I really want to do that I should do that and uh, if people ask questions I can explain it <laughs> so that's why I do it's actually been—it's really it's been a really beautiful experience, like recovering the Jewish heritage in my family. Uh, my mom came from a Jewish family ethnically, but her dad was in no ways a practicing Jew. He was a Russian Baptist, and then a, they attend a Mennonite church now here in Saskatchewan. So, but it, it's been really fun discovering some of our family background and just realizing how Jewish they're. Like my my mom's dad how Jewish his family was like the, some of the names on that side of the family are great like his, his, his mom's maiden name was Sarul which is Yiddish for Israel so their last name was Israel and uh, they're from like a Ukrainian Jewish community and I traced back to the town that he was from and like over half the town was Jewish the name of the town was Borodyanka which means beard town because most of the guys there had beards apparently it's kind of funny and uh, so, my, my dad recently, like my grandpa, was telling me some stories about his boyhood. His dad used to come by, his dad used to be part of the horse trading business. And they would go off on these big business trips to Eastern Canada to sell horses in uh, the, the mining and logging camps. And uh, he would kick around with these Jewish guys. And my dad said he'd bring them home and they would speak Yiddish together. And uh, he doesn't remember any of it. And he had this one mysterious relative named Naaman, Naaman Sarul, who would come by in the summer to take care of the farm. And he had uncles named things like Phineas and Reuben. And I don't know, there's, there were like a whole bunch of names. And I was like, this is funny. My grandpa never told me about this part of our family history when I was growing up. Um, the first year we built a sukkah like a tabernacle in our backyard. My grandpa even knew what it was. He was like, oh yeah, my mom told me about that. This is the time of the year when the Jews build those and they pray for rain. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> so, anyway, all, all that to say, I, I wear a kippa just to just to say thank you, God, for that part of my heritage. And as a way of saying I cherish it. I think in Messiah, it doesn't matter what our ethnic background is, it's all part of God's big plan. It's all something that is to be cherished and celebrated and floated as a testimony of his grace. You know, whether we be from a Jewish or or, eth- or, or non-Jewish background, Paul even talked about that in Romans. He said, "Messiah was sent to the Jewish people to glorify God for his faithfulness." So when a Jewish person comes into the kingdom, it glorifies God for his faithfulness to, to the promises that he made to the fathers, that he is sending a redeemer to their children's children, like it says in the, the Shemona of the 18 blessings. And then Paul went on in Romans 15 to say, and, and uh, for, for, the, for, the, for the Gentiles, Messiah was sent to glorify God for his mercy. Talk about mercy, hey? God sent his son to the nations to bring them into the kingdom, to adopt them into the covenant, to give them full Covenant status as heirs. Talk about mercy. Wow. So I, I just love that, that interplay there. Um, yeah. So that's why, that's why we're a kippah. Um, I did some more research this last year into what happened to my grandpa's Jewish family in the Ukraine, and most of them were killed in the Holocaust. Uh, the Nazis came through that area of Russia and rounded up over 30,000 of them. I think it was in nineteen forty. I can't remember, one, 41, 42, 43, somewhere in there, it rounded up over 30,000 and took them to a fine forest and just shot them all. So that's what happened to most of my extended Jewish family in the Ukraine. And for that reason, I wear a keeper. I wear a kippa to say, ha, like the devil didn't get us all and the father is still in control. And, you know, there's something about the Jewish people that the enemy hates. And for that reason, there's something about salvation and Messiah that makes the Jewish person more Jewish. And it flies in the face of the enemy and his, his, uh, his, his, um, his distaste of that. So anyway, that's, that's the other personal reason that I do I'll often put on my keep. And I'll just think about the Jewish people throughout history, how they've been persecuted, how I, I have extended family members who were killed in the Holocaust. And I'll just, I feel like it helps me remember that we are in a long journey as the people of God and that we do have a spiritual enemy and that we're in the middle of a, uh, quite fierce combat still, and the Messiah is coming, and you know who side-run. Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.